I'm living beyond the dollar by having gotten really clear about what makes me happy and and making for sure that the way I spend my time and energy aligns with that. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, your host, and here to give you space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic, is taboo. In this episode, I chat with Sarah Von Bargen, founder of Yes and Yes, where she teaches people how to spend their money, time, and energy on purpose. We chat about the idea of having enough when it comes to our financial and by extension our entire lives, how understanding this concept of enough frees us in so many ways, and how to start asking honest questions to figure out what that enoughness really is in our lives. This episode is brought to you by Fabric, a one-stop shop to organize your family's financial life. They have a few neat features like Fabric Wills, a free way to create a last will and testament that has been used by tens of thousands of families. I've tried it out and it's a pretty straightforward process. There's also Fabric Vault, a free and easy way for spouses and partners to create a map of their family's finances and securely share this information with each other. So think like credit card information and account logins. They also offer Fabric Premium, which is a simple and affordable term life insurance issued by Vantis Life. To find out more and get started by creating a free account for both Fabric Wills and Fabric Vault, head over to www.meetfabric.com. And to find resources we shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. Get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Sarah, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And fun fact, we both spell our names the correct way. So that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So like I mentioned pre-recording, I've gotten a few requests to have you on. So I'm really thankful that you you said yes and that um, that you DM'd me on Instagram about it. So yeah. Yeah. Because I think a lot of of your fans, and and I'm a fan myself, we read you know, we've read a lot of your blogs and you talk a lot about about the idea of enoughness, like whether directly or indirectly. And you know, so many of my listeners are like paying down debt or they're comparing themselves to other people's financial situation and they just feel like, oh, I can do better. Like I'm I'm not good enough to, you know, be debt free, etc. So by your definition, like what does enough look like in terms of your your financial life? Oh gosh. Um, well obviously enough is extremely subjective and everybody's definition of of enough, you know, varies greatly depending on if you have kids, you know, what you do for a hobby, even like what city you live in. For me, my enoughness essentially looks like having enough money to live the life that I want. And my life is we have uh, my husband and I have a bedroom and both of my stepsons have a bedroom. So that's that's enough right there. We have a three bedroom house. We don't need a five bedroom house. My enoughness looks like being able to travel probably two to three months a year. But some of that travel is international. Some of that travel is, you know, one week road trips to Omaha. Some of that is staying in nice hotels. Some of that is camping. My enoughness looks like having, I like things that are pretty. I like nice things. And period, next sentence, 90% of the things that I own are secondhand. I don't think that having things that are beautiful and having things that are not, than having things that are expensive. I don't think those things have to go hand in hand. So my enough looks like having a beautiful home furnished in a way that I like. 
sort of regardless of where those things came from. I have a $900 sofa that I got for free off of Nextdoor. You know, I have a leather, I have several leather handbags, all of which I got from Goodwill. So I think my enoughness just looks like really having done the work to understand what makes me happy and what I need to feel fulfilled and then figuring out how to get those things. And some of those things I've gotten in very like sort of traditional direct manners. And some of them I've gotten them in sort of surprising ways. Like sometimes I want a vacation, so I pay for it. And then I stay in a hotel and I eat in restaurants. Sometimes I want a vacation. And so I partner with a tourism board or I use Airbnb credits or I do a house swap with some friends. So I think everybody's own enoughness starts with having done the work to define what enoughness looks like. So you can know when you get there and you can sort of engineer a way to get there that works with the amount of free time you have, with your earning potential and with where you are sort of in your life. Yeah, I love that. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of like, you know, have, and this is a question, I guess, for me too, is like, have I done enough of the work you know, to make it, to understand what it is that I really want and to make it as tangible as possible or even like the numbers. So like in terms of, let's say, you know, you want a certain amount of money, like what, at what point is your salary enough or at what point, you know, like, let's say retirement, like at what point is that number enough for you to retire on? Like, I think you're right. If we take a few minutes or more than that, obviously, to, to think about that and not even get distracted by what mm-hmm. other people define enough as, it's, it's definitely very important. So walk us through some of the exercises or some of the epiphanies you've had as you were, you know, as you've been figuring out what is enough for you. Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Well, I would say a lot of it starts with, I think we've all had the experience of we think like once I get X, then I'll feel happy. Then then I'll be set. Like once I get the corner office, once I earn six figures, once I get married, once I, you know, weigh X amount, once I can bench press this amount, once I can, you know, once I've run a marathon, then I'll be happy and then I'll be fulfilled. We've all had those experiences that we think X is going to be enough. We get it and it's not. So I think think back, it starts with thinking back on those times in your life when you, you know, planted the happiness and fulfillment stake in the ground and then were wrong. <laughs> um, because I think that can give you some insights into where you went wrong. What was it about that sort of misstep and where you got that idea maybe to begin with? Because we get these ideas about what success and happiness should look like from everywhere. We get them from our teachers, from our parents, from our friends, from social media, from TV, from movies. So if you can figure out where you personally have sort of steered wrong in your life and where you got those ideas. So you can sort of work backwards and think about like, okay, you know, if I've sort of made some missteps when it comes to how much money I think I need, what's that about? If I've made missteps about sort of um, my personal life, what's that about? And where did I get those ideas? And you can sort of work backwards and start maybe limiting influence, honestly. If you realize that after you read a specific magazine, it makes you feel less than stop reading that magazine. If you realize after you watch Real Housewives, you look around your house and think that you're poor, stop watching Real Housewives. If you realize that every time you go to, you know, see your extended family at Thanksgiving, it's not that you, you, you should stop seeing your extended family, but sort of monitor the, the conversations that you're having with those people or emotionally and mentally prepare yourselves before you go into a setting that you know is going to make you feel less than or make you question life decisions that you know are actually right for you. So that's where I would say it starts. And obviously it's a, it's a long process to figure out what makes you happy 
and what fulfills you. But I would say that's where it starts. Look at where you've sort of made some missteps in the past and try and figure out what pointed you in these directions that ultimately weren't right for you. I love that. Something that I started doing a few months ago is actually think about my childhood and anything that sounds very Marie Kondo, but anything that really sparks joy, really stands out. It doesn't matter what memory it is. I go, okay, what was it about that that made me so happy? And so this is very silly, but my really good friends and I, we used to be neighbors. And so we would have this really stupid game called hide the rock. We would just find a random rock and hide it. And that was what we did for hours. And I remember thinking back about that and I was like, okay, that to me made me so happy. Like, what is it about that that made me so happy? And of course, if I were to play hide the rock now as a 36 year old, that might be a little bit crazy, right? But it really was about, we just made do with what was around us and we got creative and we had fun. And I'm like, okay, so is there some way where I can create that? And it doesn't mean I have to spend money. It just means I have to get really creative. And so I always, so that's, that's what I started doing. And I thought, okay, this is, this is actually starting to work. I was talking to my husband about it the other day and he's, he's doing that too. So that's, yeah. And I, but I love it. It's like reverse engineering. And also when we do that, I'm wondering what if thoughts of like judginess about ourselves or shame come up or guilt, like what, how can you navigate that as you're, as you're thinking about those things? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Well, I would say first, just you know, noticing what's happening, noticing that you're judging yourself for doing these things or noticing that you feel self-conscious and sort of stepping back and wondering about that. I would also say be gentle with yourself. Like if you are having the guts to do something that like nobody else in your social circle is doing, like that's hard. And it's incredibly normal to feel self-conscious. This is a strange parallel to draw, but I realize that I love tiny things. Like I love miniatures. I just love anything that's tiny. And like, I don't know where this came from. There's literally no one in my life who likes tiny stuff. There's, I don't like follow any Instagram accounts. I've never seen this in movies or TV, but I love tiny things. And so I actually have a a little shelf in my closet where if I like am at a gift store and there's some little tiny miniature thing, you know, that costs five bucks, I buy it and then I put it on this little shelf. And I felt like sort of ridiculous about it. And I felt ridiculous about the fact that I love shiny things. And then I felt ridiculous about the fact that I felt ridiculous. But then I realized like, of course I feel weird. Like I haven't seen this modeled anywhere. Like when you are doing something outside of the norm that you don't see represented anywhere, of course it feels strange. So like I should be gentle with myself for having these sort of mixed feelings. If you can't see anyone doing something, it's hard to even consider doing it for yourself. So I would say just start by being gentle with yourself and know that you're doing something kind of hard, like becoming who you were meant to be and like deprogramming yourself from the status quo and societal expectations is really hard. So it's normal to sort of feel some internal pushback against that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I used to coach a few women who gave themselves so much pressure to earn a certain amount in their side hustle. And I, you know, my question was like, well, why do you feel like you have to? Like, are you, is it because you're reading blogs out there that where people are making great money, which is awesome? Or is there something else going on? And I think as soon as they question that, they go, okay, well, no, like I don't need to earn this right now. It was just a, like, I felt like I had to prove myself. And I'm like, okay, well, who are you proving yourself to? And so you're right. Like coming with that, you know, what I took away from that was like coming with a place of curiosity, asking questions, being very gentle with yourself, which I have to work on that always. because. Yeah, very type A. And yeah, I love that. So I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. So 
Mm-hmm. Let's say you're com- you know, you find yourself comparing yourself to somebody or you feel like you're grappling with the idea of enough, right? Can that be a sign of the fact that we're playing small? Like we're like, let's say I'm I'm happy with earning 50,000 and then somehow earning 55 really scares me, but I'm like no, 50 50,000 is enough. Like is that maybe a sign that I'm just not fulfilling my potential? Well, I think that's a great question. All these questions are great. Um I would say most of the time if we are really honest with ourselves, we know if we're playing small or not. And the other tool that I use when I'm struggling with that exact same question is, let's say that I made a commitment to myself that I was going to earn 200 grand this year. And then I reached like 80 grand and I realized like, oh, you know, I think that's enough. And I'm not sure whether I'm letting myself off the hook or whether I'm being gentle with myself. The question that I ask myself is, if I gave up now, would I feel relief or would I feel sort of embarrassed, like I had let myself down. Because I think we've all been in situations where you make a commitment or you, you know, sort of make, set an expectation for yourself and then you decide to let it go. And we've all had situations where we're like, oh my gosh, what a relief. Like, I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. That was totally unrealistic. And we've all had situations where we feel like, oh no, I'm kind of embarrassed about that. Like, I know I could have done better and I didn't. So to me, that's, that's my personal measuring stick for am I playing small or am I having unrealistic expectations for myself? Oh, that's so great. I'm like, man, I need to think, I need to do more of that too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it really, and it applies to everything. Like, you know, you kind of have a cold, should you go to the gym or not? You know, you had a really busy week. Should you, you know, go to that party that you committed to and sort of checking with yourself, like, would this feel like relief or would this feel, you know, kind of disappointing and embarrassing? Like that can be a really good barometer to check in with yourself. Yeah. And I would also add that once you know the answer, like commit to whatever decision you're going to make in terms of what that looks like. I think that's another one too, where I know I've in the past and I still grapple with this is where, okay, I'm like, okay, I've decided or not, I've decided this is my answer. This is what I've come up with. And now I'm like, I'm ignoring over the decision. And like, I if, and then, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, if I just made whatever decision I need to make, it would have been so much smoother for me. You know, even if it turned out to be like the wrong one, at least I made a decision. Yeah. 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 Just commit to it. And whenever I think about stuff, particularly decisions that involve other people, like not clients, but, you know, like our friends mm-hmm. or coworkers or people who we don't know super well, like in the best possible sense of the word, nobody cares. Like in the best possible sense of the word, nobody is paying nearly as much attention to us as we think they are. Like nobody cares that I like tiny things. Like no, nobody's like gossiping about that behind my back. You know, if there are 40 people invited to that birthday party, you know, it's unlikely that people are going to be like talking about me not going because I worked a 60 hour work week. Yeah. I equate it to like junior high dances where everyone's so self-conscious, like the boys are on one side and the girls on the other side. So I think back to that, I'm like, okay, everyone's, you know, even adults are self-conscious and they're probably worrying about themselves more than they're, they're worrying about what other people are thinking. I mean, it's kind of like the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. It's like, do people really care that you have this nice shiny handbag other than the fact that they now feel like they need to buy one or that, you know, in whatever form, like it's more about in a nutshell, it's like more about them than it is about you and who you are as a person and all of that. Oh, for yeah, sure. I love it. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you asked me right now, like, Sarah, what cars do your friends drive? I think I could say like these two people have some sort of boxy SUV. I don't even know what kind of SUV it is. The rest of them, I have no idea what car they drive. That's so funny. For me, we don't care. Nobody cares nearly as much as we think. Yeah, no, I always like, 
I always compare myself to like how clean my house is compared to other people's. Like, so that's something for some reason I really remember. And I feel like every time somebody comes over, I have to like pay a cleaner, which I did a few times, which I'm like, oh, and I'm like, why did I do that? Not that having cleaners bad, but it wasn't one of those money once, but like for me, money well spent. Yes. And so I just, yeah. Now that I have a child, I'm like, okay, he's kind of my excuse. <laughs> if the house is messy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So no, you're, you're absolutely, yeah. I love that. Something else that I just thought of is thinking about the idea of enough. I'm wondering, and I don't know if you've ever come across is like, let's say we, we have enough, like enough money, enough friends, enough tiny things, enough in our career. Yeah. Like, doesn't that seem scary? Like we, I feel like for many of us, we're always like chasing and striving for something. And so if we're at the point where we don't feel like we have to anymore, like I'm wondering if it's like, if it's scary, like we feel lost and like what happens at that point? Well, I know for me, I mean, I've certainly been at the place where I'm like, oh, so now what? But I know that what I have done that's really helped me is like, there are certain areas of my life where it's sort of like the enough doesn't necessarily like apply. Like there will always be cities that I want to visit. There will always be friendships that I want to deepen. There will always be books that I want to read. There will always be new recipes that I want to cook. So even though I make enough money and we live in a cute house, I'm very happy with my career. There are still lots of other things that I want to explore. I want to learn how to cook complicated French dishes and I want to go to Mongolia. And, you know, there are all sorts of other things that I want to do where the enough title sort of doesn't necessarily apply. And I imagine that's true for everyone. Like maybe, you know, you make enough money, but you are not as physically flexible as you would like to be. Or, you know, maybe you found a great partner and you're incredibly happy in your relationship and you don't need to tweak anything, but there, you know, you just discovered this certain author and you want to read all their books. Like there are always things in life to be explored and to be expanded upon and you know, sort of hobbies that we can deepen and friendships that we can deepen and new parts of our city or state that we can explore. Like there's still tons of stuff to do that is not based on like how much is in our retirement account or, you know, how big our house is. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, it's like, there's millions of things out there. It's what, it comes back to what do you want? <laughs> and, you know, what are your resources like? And, and whether or not you really want those things or it's because other people have them or other people are doing them. Yeah, no, I love that. Because I think that's something I think about too, is like, what if I have enough? And am I going to be happy with that? And mm -hmm. I, and it's one of those, and, and I'm not sure if you're into the FIRE movement. So FIRE movement is um, financial independence, retire mm -hmm. early. Yeah. And so a lot of people are aiming for these really high numbers. And to me, I can't even imagine what a million dollars would be like or mm -hmm. feel like, you know, even though I, I will probably eventually mm -hmm. get there. And so for some people, you're thinking about those kind of numbers, like how can you quantify them in terms of like, what is it going to pay for? And so like, do you have any exercises or any ways to make that feel less intimidating in terms of like, if I'm earning this amount, this is what this is going to pay for? Oh, gosh, not really. To be because to be totally honest, like both my husband and I have our dream jobs. And so like I have, to be honest, no desire to retire early <laughs> and, and neither does my <laughs> husband. And so like, I am familiar with the FIRE movement, but like the thought of not working does not appeal to me. <laughs> so, I mean, like we, you know, we save very aggressively for retirement, but it's sort of on autopilot. And like, I have, I have zero desire to stop working before I'm, you know, like 55 or 60. 
So sadly, I don't, I don't have any, any exercises specific to that. Something that I do, I do think about a lot. I'm sure you've read Your Money or Your Life. Anybody who's listening to this has probably read Your Money or Your Life. But I think it's a really good exercise to think about how many hours of your life you're exchanging for the things that you buy. You know, if you earn 20 bucks an hour and you buy a $200 purse, that's 10 hours of your life that you could have spent doing something else. Probably more than 10 hours once you take out like taxes and benefits. So I think that is a really good exercise when you're thinking about money and what it equates to in terms of the rest of your life. I love that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, many of us have <laughs> already read that. And I think that's the, I really love that. Yeah, I love that book. And I have yet to read the updated version, but I will, I will get it once my reading list is much, <laughs> much smaller than it is right now, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, you know, one of the things I really just love about you is how honest you get in terms of assessing purchases or even financial decisions. Like I'm, this is more for me because I'm, I'm nosy. Like, is there a purchase that you've regretted and what did you oh, do about sure. it? <laughs> sure. I would say, so I have a course, I have two money courses and one is called put your money where you're happy is. And that's where we do sort of like the deeper work about like why people spend the way they do. And in there, we talk about there are eight reasons why people make regrettable purchases. And generally speaking, people make regrettable purchases over and over and over again for the same few reasons. And I can tell you that the reasons that I make regrettable purchases are either, and obviously I've dramatically decreased this, but I still, you know, it's still something that I work on. I make them either, I make close enough regrettable purchases, which is, you know, like I'm thrifting something and maybe it doesn't quite fit, but I think like, oh, if I hemmed it, then it would be good. Or if I dyed it, then it would be good. Or if I repainted it, or if I just fixed it. And so it's, but of course, 90% of the time, I don't actually hem it or fix it or paint it. The other reason that I make regrettable purchases is that I sort of go too fast. Like I don't measure it and then I get it home and I can't get it through the door or I thought it was black, but it's really navy blue or I didn't look at my calendar and I you know, bought concert tickets for a day that I'm out of town. So I would say the most recent regrettable purchase was it didn't start out regrettable. I bought tickets to see the band Beirut, who's one of my favorite bands and they don't tour that often. So I was so excited. I bought these tickets and I even like, I'm going, I was supposed to go to the show by myself. So I bought like one ticket. I was so excited. And then after I bought the ticket, I checked my calendar and I didn't, I hadn't put it into my calendar, but I was actually leaving for Costa Rica that day. <laughs> so I spent, you know, like $56 on this concert ticket. I have tried to sell the concert ticket on Facebook, on Instagram. And because this, the show is not sold out. So nobody's like falling all over themselves to buy my ticket. So I would say my most recent regrettable purchase came from sort of not paying close enough attention. And I tried to, you know, to sell it with no success. Oh, goodness. I've, gosh, that's happened to me like so many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that is my, like, now I've reached the point where for me, it's usually things that involve date and dates and times, you know, like, oh, I don't consider the time zone or like I buy something and like it's too close to when something else is going to happen. But so now it's just a point where I like make my husband stand behind me and look at the computer screen with me. And I'll even like point at it and like say the date out loud because I've, I mean, I can't tell you how many like flights I've screwed up or like train tickets like I bought for the wrong month. And I've gotten much better about it, but it's still something that I have to really make a conscious effort on. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I will share this. And since you were very honest about dates and times, I'm, I miss very important appointments and I end up having to pay again, like doctor's appointments oh, and things like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. So the, this is a really embarrassing one and I cannot believe I'm saying this in public, but here it goes. Um, 
they, I, I had two opportunities. So I did a dual bachelor's degree. So one in education, one in, in English. Mm-hmm. So Bachelor of Arts. And so I had two dates to choose from where I can basically walk down and, and get my diploma and all that. And then mm-hmm. you rent the gown for that certain day. And so I chose, I don't remember what day, let's just say Tuesday. I chose mm-hmm. Tuesday and I'm like, great. And I told my parents it was Wednesday. Oh, no. And I completely, and it was funny because then the day before, I think it was like the Monday, the day before, I was like, oh my gosh, I rented oh, the gown on the no. wrong day. <laughs> And so, I mean, I remember emailing and nobody would answer because yeah. it's graduation, right? And so I remember, I remember on the Wednesday when everyone was showing up, I ran to where you get your gowns oh. and I was begging the guy there to let me. And so I think, and I bribed him <laughs> like 20 bucks so I could get the gown. Like, luckily the one I, the exact oh, okay. one I rented was actually there, but that was kind sure. of, a, that was a regrettable purchase because I was like, I cannot believe I paid however much to rent this and I had to bribe yeah. somebody an extra 20 bucks to like so that was that was like the biggest lesson learned mm-hmm. like okay I gotta remember my dates <laughs> I you know this is something I do often and so I have yeah. to be aware of my habit and I don't hopefully don't have to bribe somebody else ever again for anything <laughs> so yeah but I mean like if if that lesson only costs you 20 dollars, you're doing pretty well yeah I mean I've I've made some bigger ones but that that's definitely one of the more embarrassing ones like you know missing doctor appointments yeah I mean those I think you miss it, you pay like an extra hundred. So that those were pretty significant. But yeah, you're right. No. And it's funny, we can laugh about it, right? I'm sure when it happened in the moment, for me, I can't believe I paid this guy twenty dollars. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely it definitely, you know, you gotta give yourself some grace and it's it's totally, totally okay. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. I always ask this to all of my guests is how are you living beyond the dollar? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I would say I'm living beyond the dollar by having gotten really clear about what makes me happy and make for, and making for sure that my time, the way I spend my time and energy aligns with that. Awesome. And I'm pretty sure everyone knows, but just in case, where can they find you? My blog is at yesandyes.org. And you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram stories. And my handle is yesandyesblog on Instagram. Yeah. And definitely I follow your stories on the No Grocery Challenge. And so... Oh, isn't it stuff I love doing? I probably should take pictures of mine because yes. I've, been, I've been kind of religiously doing it as well. Yes, my yes. really full. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Take pictures and then take me so that I can share them. I love seeing what other people make. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Sarah. I've just been such a big fan of her for years, and I know many of you were too. So really hope you enjoy her wisdom and her awesomeness in this episode. So she just gave a lot of nuggets. So I'm not going to reflect too much on our conversation, but I do want to get back to the idea of enough and understanding what it is that makes you happy and satisfied in your life and just kind of ignoring what we feel we should do. Because at the end of the day, we want to be able to do things for us, right? Whether that means buying that latte or buying that nicer house or, you know, being okay with a 15-year-old beat up car, whatever that is. So today's question I would love for you to reflect on is just how do you know when you've reached enough in your financial life? And I know that word's really, really vague and it is on purpose because people's definition of enough is different, right? My definition of enough, I know is very different from people around me and maybe even you, dealersness. So to get more specific, start with something tangible. Maybe 
It's a retirement number. So how much money do you want to have in investments to feel like you have enough to be able to to leave your work or to traditional retirement? Or what's an earning goal? Maybe this year, if you have, let's say you have a side hustle, how much money do you need to earn to have enough? Maybe there's a specific goal that you want to save towards. Okay. Or even how much like house you want. You can even like get really clear on like how many bedrooms, maybe the square footage and the yard and things like that and get super, super clear, right? Write some numbers down, like write very specific descriptions because the more specific you can get, the easier it will be to refer back to this when you feel like you're going astray. And if you've heard previous episodes, we talk a lot about that. An upcoming episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about what enough looks in like in my life and what happened when I strayed away from it. So definitely stay tuned for that one. That one's coming up. So let me know what your answer is. Please find me on Instagram at beyond the dollar or email me hello at beyond the dollar.co. So all right, it's time to answer some of your questions about living beyond the dollar. And this segment is brought to you by Fabric. So as I mentioned before in the introduction, they have some free products like their wills and Fabric Vault where you can share sensitive information about your credit card information or accounts in case you cannot communicate with your spouse or partner. So you can check all those out at www.meetfabric.com. So now to the questions, millennial money expert and editorial director Allison Cade from Fabric has helped me to answer these. So I'm so thankful for that. So this question is actually from Allison. (laughs) And she asked, what is the best way to save money if you want to travel? And are there any tools that you recommend? So thank you so much for that. I know that a lot of people ask me this because um, I've lived in so many different countries and and all of that. But so Allison just, you know, we, we were chatting and she recommends thinking about the cost benefits. So Think of that as an opportunity cost. So what can you give up to gain something else? So think about it as if you buy lunch at work today, that's maybe $10 that you could have spent on that trip, right? So maybe instead of buying that $10 lunch, you can pack a lunch that maybe costs a dollar and that $9 difference will go towards your trip, right? So you can choose the lunch or you can choose a trip and what are you gaining and losing or sacrificing, however you want to put it, in order to get that. So think about, you know, at the end of the day, it's really like priorities. And even think about, you know, the difference that you could get when you eat a full dinner in a developing country that you've been itching to visit. So think about, okay, well, I saved nine dollars today. This nine dollars could buy me three meals in Malaysia. So get very clear on on again what is it going to gain from saving money from setting aside money and so that can help you could even think about automating but i think even before you start automating it, you really need to get clear on like why it is that you're doing something and to get very clear on the priorities to visualize and imagine that you know saving money when you want to travel because you can set aside money you know and automate it but then maybe you'll see that money in the bank account and then you go ahead and buy I don't know, a new pair of shoes, right? So if you haven't gotten clear on like what that money can go towards in terms of parts of your trip, then maybe it's not going to be as effective, right? Again, there's really no right or wrong answer. Allison agrees with me on that. You know, it's totally up to you. If you want to buy lunch at work, that's totally up to you. But if you want to think about using that towards three meals in Malaysia, then that's up to you as well. 
So as far as tools, there are so many, and this is a unfortunately very general question. So you can think about tools like currency converters. So if you're going on an international trip, xe.com is really good. Splitwise helps you think about how to kind of budget your money. You can think about budgeting apps where you can kind of set aside money. There's there's so many different ones, you know, Airbnb, obviously, to, to stay at hotels, different credit cards for travel hacking, so many. So if you want to just shoot me a DM again, specifically what tools that you are looking for, I'll be happy to point you in the right direction. So hopefully that this question helps other people too. If you have a question for me and Allison, go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram at beyondthedollar or email me hello at beyondthedollar.co. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram, on one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar, send them a link, whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing around here. And if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters to you most in life, be able to name your most important values, and how to start putting money towards those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to www.beyondthedollar.co. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar. By the way, don't you love the new intro music? Thank you so much to Donovan Durance for providing this awesome song.